Hi, and welcome back to the show. Morning sickness got you down? Have you ever heard of hyperemesis or HG? Are you terrified of having a long labor and you're not sure if you can handle it or not? Could you imagine having an 83 hour long labor? Well, today my guest Taryn comes on the show and shares her experience of a radical change in her life that led her to a more comfortable pregnancy after experiencing HG with her first two and how she was able to have the strength and the mindset to power through an 83 hour long home birth. So stick around, I think you're going to find some helpful tips. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic c-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth, and now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless c-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that his divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of his love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose. And I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here, we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Oh my goodness, have you heard? PHP is officially open for applications. I have already invited one lovely lady into the program and there is limited amount of spots open as this is a high touch coaching program. You will be served, loved, and fully prepared for every event. This program uses the same framework that I have used in person with at least 30 women who wanted natural birth and not one of them ended up with a c-section not one 
All of this because they had a vision for what they wanted, they were educated and empowered, and they knew the practical steps that they needed to take in order to make decisions in any circumstance. So if you're ready to go through this program, find a community of women who are on the same journey as you, learn about home birth, feel totally prepared and confident, not just for birth, but postpartum as well, then fill out your application today. We'll do a call together before making any decisions because I want to make sure that this program is 100% worth it for you. There's absolutely no pressure. This is an invitation. Are you ready to experience a peaceful home birth that you'll remember and love retelling forever? Well, then take this next step and fill out your application today. All right. Well, you're definitely going to want to stay throughout this whole episode because there is so much wisdom and practical advice given. Taryn is a wealth of knowledge. She is a holistic nutritionist and women's reproductive wellness practitioner. After her first was born, she knew she wanted to do something working with mothers, which started her on this journey. And she initially got her doula certification, then took classes for lactation, but it just never felt quite right. She turned her whole life around by adjusting their nutrition. And that was something that finally felt right to her. So after having hyperemesis and postpartum depression with her first two kids, she knew she needed to do something different for the third time around. And she did. She had a very different experience with her third baby who is now almost four months old and have experienced no postpartum issues. This is amazing, you guys. We get into exactly how she changed and how she is helping women like you now. She is... Actually, also part of the Peaceful Home Birth program, this coaching program, and she is helping women who commit thrive during pregnancy by creating a personalized nutrition plan. This is priceless, you guys. This is amazing. You are going to love her so much. So let's dive right in. Hi, Taryn. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to speak with you today, hear your story, and I know that you have so much wisdom to add here. So before we get into that, would you just share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Um, <laughs> I'm Taryn. I have uh, three kids, three and under. I have a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-month-old. And I am a holistic nutritionist and women's reproductive wellness practitioner. I started doing, I started my business, started learning all of this after I had a very rough pregnancy with my first and second and postpartum period that definitely could have gone better. Um, And then we kind of overhauled our lives. We learned that a lot of the things that we were doing were not actually serving our bodies and not nourishing us the way that they should be. And so we, we actually moved across the country from Washington state to Virginia and just decided that our new home would be a place where we did not bring any like toxins and chemicals and things like that in. And it changed our lives. <laughs> and yeah. with our, our third, I had um, no pregnancy complications and no postpartum depression. And it was just, it's been wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to talk more about this. But 
paint the picture for us. Okay. So your first two births, what happened during pregnancy? What were you doing during pregnancy? And what happened postpartum that you were like, absolutely something needs to change. Could you just kind of go through that story for us? Yeah. So my first, um, well, I'll back up before my first, I had three miscarriages. Um, and was diagnosed with PCOS and told that I would never carry a baby to term. Um, and that basically I should just give up trying. And I, that was really, really hard because I have a lot of siblings and I have always wanted to be a mom. That was like my ultimate, I knew I wanted to be a mom. Um, and so being told that I wouldn't be able to have kids was very hard. And then I saw my primary care doctor who told me that like with some lifestyle changes, I could fix that. She basically told me I just eat a little better and start exercising and stop drinking alcohol. And, and so I did, and I lost 50 pounds in that time and ended up uh, getting pregnant with our first Amelia. And I knew right away that I was pregnant. Like I found out at like two and a half weeks, <laughs> like three weeks, I knew I was pregnant because I was sick immediately. Um, I ended up hospitalized at 12 weeks with her because of dehydration and uh, was officially diagnosed with hyperemesis at that point and was hospitalized three more times throughout that pregnancy for dehydration. Um, and just, I was so, so sick. Uh, and then after her, once it, thankfully for me, it went away right when, like right when she was born, which I know is not the case for a lot of people, but it did go that way for me, which was nice. But after she was born, and I didn't recognize this until much, much later, <laughs> I had postpartum depression and anxiety where I basically was just, there's a lot of her like newborn first couple months of her life that I barely even remember because I was just in a fog and it's, yeah, it was definitely something that like I knew about postpartum depression and I did the screening, the six week screening, right. Where you check the boxes and you, do you ever want to harm your baby? Do you ever feel like harming yourself? And those were no's. <laughs> I didn't feel those things, but I did. Um, I wasn't, I didn't feel right. <laughs> And it was just, you know, you're just tired. You're just, you have a newborn. You're just tired. And that definitely was not the case. <laughs> um, and then when I was five months postpartum with her, I got pregnant again and had another miscarriage. And that I felt like was just my body's way of being like, no, you are not ready. You are not in a place that you can, that I can support another baby right now. Um, and I 
ended up getting pregnant again at Amelia was 11 months old, 11 months old when I got pregnant with Ivy. Um, They're 19 months apart. And same thing with her. I was sick immediately. Hyperemesis again. It was, it was pretty quick that my midwife was like, yep, it's hyperemesis. Can you explain for anybody out there who is like, what is the difference between like sick, nausea, morning sickness sick, and hyperemesis sick? Yes. So hyperemesis technically is like classified once you lose more than 10% of your body weight, they classify it as hyperemesis. Um, So for me, through my first pregnancy, I lost over 40 pounds. Um, So I did not gain any weight while pregnant. I lost a lot. And um, so hyperemesis is you're sick all day, every day from basically the minute you get pregnant to when you give birth. And for some people, it's even, there are some people that have it a lot worse where they're sick even months postpartum because their body just can't catch up. Um, but so, yeah, it's definitely, there's a big, (laughs) big gap. And how was it treated for you in the hospital? Um, Zofran, (laughs) they gave me an IV with Zofran and lots of fluids, an IV with fluids and, um, like a nutrient pump essentially in the hospital. I wasn't one of I didn't end up having to have one constantly. There are some people that have to constantly have a nutrient pump. They can't ever, they just have to wear it all the time um, to feed their body. And so thankfully that was not the case for me. Um, And my midwife, I had, I originally had planned to have a home birth with my first, but situation changed. I ended up moving in with my aunt and uncle and, It was just, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal at the time. And so I, and I had a friend that had used a birth center. And so I texted her and I was like, Hey, what was the name of your midwife? Like, how was your experience? Did you love her? What was, and she did, she told me she absolutely loved her and she would highly recommend her. So I reached out to her. I was 20 weeks at this point, just about 20 weeks at this point. Um, when I switched to her care. Um, so it was a standalone birth center that I ended up having her in. Um, but my home birth midwives versus this midwife was like, it ended up being a huge shift. Um, surprisingly, my home birth midwives were actually encouraging me to take Zofran and maybe even be induced like, and, and once I switched to the your, birth, oh, this was with your first baby. Yes. Your first. Okay. My first. Yeah. Um, yeah. So once I switched midwives to the birth center, she was beyond amazing. Um, she immediately was like, well, yeah, you're sick because you're not getting enough nutrients. Like your, your body is sick because it can't support your baby. Your it's your body doesn't know what to do with itself because it's not getting the nutrients you need which made a lot of sense, but also was like, okay, but how do I get them when I'm so sick? (laughs) Um, So I ended up 
I found that if I drank a protein smoothie, like first thing, right when I woke up, it helped a little bit. (laughs) Um, At that point in my pregnancy, my body was already so out of whack that there wasn't really any reversing it. Um, But that did help some. And then with my second, though, I knew this right off the bat. And um, with her, I still had high premises. There wasn't any, like I wasn't, I do think now looking back now, there was still, I still was eating basically standard American diet, even though I was doing better than I was before I got pregnant with my first, it was still, my diet was not (laughs) ideal. Um, and I, so yeah, looking back now, I, can say like with confidence that if I had nourished my body better before getting pregnant, I don't think I would have had these issues. And because I didn't with my third. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that. So you went, had really, really rough pregnancies and what was it? I mean, so I, I hear this story a lot, like, oh, I just get so sick with pregnancy. I I just am so sick. Like I hate pregnancy. It's the worst. Like I'm not going to get pregnant again because I get so sick, you know? And it's like, I totally understand that. But then what was it for you that you're like, I'm not going to stay there. Like I am going to make an intentional decision to say, no, this is not going to be my story. I'm going to do something different. You're, I'm going to move across the country. I'm going to make something different, you know? So what was it that kind of switched for you where you made that intentional decision? Like, this is not going to be me again. Um, For me, it was, I actually just, it was a realization that what I was doing wasn't working. It was um, also with my midwife (laughs) at the time, she was like, Hey, I know you're doing better, but I also know that you want to have more kids and in order to do that, you need to do better. You need to. um, So for the first 12, something that I didn't know, and I know a lot of people don't is the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, your body is pulling from the nutrients that you had pre pre preconception. So if you are not like stored up preconception, then your body can't function optimally in those first 12 weeks, which is a big part of first trimester nausea. Um, Morning sickness a lot of times comes from the fact that women are not uh, fueling their bodies the way that they should before getting pregnant in the first place. And once I learned that, it was like, oh, okay, well, uh, let's start working on that then. And I actually, um, it was, I saw, found a couple Instagram pages that were like, um, just ingredients specifically was one that I found that she, I was looking at it and I was like, man, this is crazy, (laughs) crazy. Like the, all of the foods that I was eating that I was, that I thought were good just weren't because they were full of additives and all of this crazy stuff. Um, And my husband's in the army. So that was, we got stationed in Virginia. So that was actually our, that was why we moved, but it, um, it was hard having to leave like all of my family that's in Washington and 
my husband's family's in California. So that was, they weren't right there, but they were still close by. Um, so it was hard to make that shift. But once we did, it actually ended up being really good for us because we were able to just come into our own as our own family and be able to do all of the things that we wanted to do without the outside input. And that helped a lot. And I started, um, I was working full time as a nanny in Washington. And so I still like, I had the kids with me all the time, but I wasn't home. And once we moved to Virginia, we made a decision together that I would just stay home. That would just, while we were here, I, I didn't need to work. I could just stay home with the kids. And, um, and that made a big difference too, because then I had the time to make everything from scratch and do the things that we wanted to do without sacrificing time with my kids or my sleep or my sanity. So it made a big difference. Um, being able to just, you know, make the, make that shift. Yeah. So compare your diet. Cause when you say like standard American diet, okay. I think yes. people have an idea of what that looks like, <laughs> but if you don't mind, would you give us a little idea of like, what was a typical day like for you on your nutrition journey with your first two versus your third? Yeah. Uh, so I definitely still, we still ate out a lot. That was a big thing. Um, especially with both of us working full time, a lot of times it was just easier to order dinner and we were like, you know, we're eating as long as we eat a balanced meal that has, you know, protein, fat, carb, we're good. And we, so we were eating out a lot. We still, a lot of like prepackaged dinners, you know, like frozen lasagna that you could buy from the store. And um, even meals that we did make at home, we would still use like sauces and things that have a lot of fillers in them. Whereas now I make <laughs> basically everything that we eat from scratch. We eat a lot of beef liver now, which um, is also different. And a lot of people, when you tell them that you eat liver, they're like, what? <laughs> no. That used to be it. so normal. I remember my grandma introducing me to beef liver. Like it yeah. didn't used to be so bizarre, but yes, the reactions now are quite funny. Yeah. Now when you tell somebody that like, Hey, you know, beef liver has a lot of great nutrients in it. They're like, that's disgusting. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yes. Um, and even even just like store-bought bread versus homemade sourdough, right? Or even just homemade bread. That's like just I make a like homemade white sandwich bread. That's it makes a huge difference when everything is coming from you know, you can source everything every single ingredient that's going into your food, you know exactly where it's coming from. And it has made a big difference in our health. And another huge, huge, huge thing has been protein. <laughs> because um, myself and most women in general are not getting enough protein. I used to like wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee and go about my day. And you know, I might eat I would like have a snack 
and then eat around lunchtime. And, and now I like wake up and I'm like, I need 40 grams of protein to start my day. (laughs) Like I'll have eggs and a protein shake. And I put protein in my protein powder in my coffee. And like, I will not have coffee before I've had my breakfast. And yeah, it's, it's definitely protein is huge for everyone, but women specifically, I find are usually very low in protein because they are, we're not taught that we need that amount of protein when it's more like, Oh, proteins for bulking, right? When you're working out in the weight room, trying to gain muscle, that's when you need a lot of protein. But in reality, you just, you need protein all the time. You need it to just for your body to function. And that was a big shift for me is eating more protein, like right in the morning. I, with my third, I was still sick. Um, I think my body after going through hyperemesis twice, um, and then, uh, just, and my youngest was, or well, yeah, not youngest now, but my youngest at the time, she was, oh gosh, just over, she was a little under a year and a half when we got pregnant with our third. So even my body still wasn't healed as much as it could have been, um, before getting pregnant again, but it was such a different experience. Like I was sick, but it was so manageable. And like, I didn't lose any weight that pregnancy. It was, it was a whole different ball game. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. So when did you start this overhaul? Was it like how far postpartum were you with your Um, second? So my second was three months old when we really started making changes. And then we, she was like three and a half months old when we started our move across the country. We actually drove. So it took us a month. We like stopped and saw my husband's family for a week, saw some of my family for a week and like drove and went to couple places in Texas, went to Nashville, went to New Orleans. Um, So we took a month to drive across the country with our move. So, and we weren't eating the greatest (laughs) on our road trip, but once we got here, that was our, like, this is it in our new home. We are going to be intentional about what we're eating, what we're doing. Um, So she was like four little over four months old when we got here and like really made that shift to where it was like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. So I'm curious, was your husband like totally on board with this or what was that like your conversations of, Hey honey, we actually have to be more intentional and we're going to stop eating out. Like how did that go? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, uh, it was a shift for sure. Um, he generally actually ate better than me in the first place. Um, he grew up eating like healthier than I grew up eating. And they, his family has always been a little bit more intentional about eating at home and uh, like sharing meals. And so, which was not my experience as I got older. And so he had a little bit easier time with it than I did actually. Um, 
there were some things that even now still that were like two and a half years in where he's like, really, do I have to know? <laughs> like, there are still things that we both even like, don't really want to give up. <laughs> like cereal, I found is like our biggest hang up. We both love cereal. And like any good, like good brand cereals with like the gut ingredients and all that are like $8 a box. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. But for the most part, it, um, I just shared he's a very um like what's the word I'm looking for like fact he's a facts person logical yeah he's a very logical brain like so when I I just basically showed him the facts I was like here it is look these are the ingredients that are causing cancer in people and causing all of these health issues that you know we shouldn't be experiencing but we are um, and he was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. All right, <laughs> let's do it this way. Well, that was pretty easy. It sounds yeah. like <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. Most men are so logical. That's for sure. But when you think of like a complete overhaul on health, yeah, you know, I know that overwhelms a lot of people. And so when you're, could you break it down for somebody who's like, you know what, I've either had hyperemesis or I've had PCOS or, you know, I struggle with being overweight. Like there's so many different things. And I know in the, you can just hop on Instagram and like, there's a million things out there of like, if you just do this, like your life will change, you know, and yeah. you see all the things. And for somebody who is just starting to realize, like, I need a little bit of a health overhaul what could you tell them like the best place to start and just like maybe one practical thing that they can do to start implementing today? Yeah, that we actually, um, I found myself very overwhelmed also. Like when we very first started, we kind of started switching before we moved. Um, and I 100% found myself very overwhelmed by the amount of information and feeling like everything was toxic. And um, I found that I like the stress that I was putting on myself, trying to switch it all out was more toxic to my health than the products that we were using. So for me, a good starting point for us was like, when you run out of something, replace it with something better. So like um, when we, we used to buy like uh, Z bars for our kids for a snack. And it was like, as soon as I realized that, oh, these have like nine grams of sugar per bar. That is way too much. And I, part of me was like, I need to just stop. Like they can't have this anymore. But I also was like, but I don't want to waste food. Like that feels, that feels worse. Um, so I, I basically, I just, once we, we ran out of the box, I let them finish the box. We ran out of the box. And then we, for granola bars specifically, I actually just started making my own because I found a recipe online that was super easy. It takes like 15 minutes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I would just, I would say probably like small things that feel manageable are like, you know, instead of buying a 
boxed dinner. Like look up a recipe, see if it's something you can throw together easily at home. Um, mashed potatoes is a big one that I like most, a lot of people do box mashed potatoes, but really it takes no extra time to make them yourself. Like just one example. Um, and like mac and cheese, we don't do boxed mac and cheese. We just, you just throw it like, throw some butter and flour, <laughs> milk, cheese, noodles. There you go. You've got mac and cheese. Um, so it's not even necessarily like things like mac and cheese. It's not even necessarily like you can't ever enjoy the foods that you loved. It's which I find a lot of people when you say like start eating healthy, they think they have to give up their comfort foods. But that is, I find worse than like feeling like you have to give up your comfort foods does more damage to your health than eating your comfort foods does. Just try to make them yourself. Try to see what you can do to, it doesn't have to be in like crock pot recipes, instant pot recipes. That's where, that's kind of where we started is like learning that I can just throw everything in the instant pot, hit the button and it does the work itself. <laughs> yeah, it really is amazing, but it is kind of a mindset shift. And I feel like yeah. you have to have an end goal in mind. So for me, I just, when we started on our health journey, I realized, wow, I've been lied to. <laughs> and I like really <laughs> hate lied to. And so when I realized, okay, I feel like I can't trust what I've learned, but you know, previously about food, about health, about everything, then I was able to be like, okay, well, if I can't trust what I've been told from like this system, then I'm going to learn it myself. And I think you have to kind of figure out what is your reason? What is your why of like, why you want to get healthy? And yeah, so I, I encourage anybody listening to this right now, like pause it for a second and just kind of think like, why am I wanting to be healthy? Why am I even doing like, maybe you're already on your health journey and you're like, but why am I doing that? I think sometimes we need a refresh because sometimes I get really tired of making homemade bread. I'm like, why am I even doing this? Yes. Like, I can literally <laughs> buy bread at Costco for whatever. Why? Um, I was actually just at Costco yesterday. My husband's like, hey, I mean, like, there, there's bread there. Like, why don't you just buy it? I'm like, no. I no. have to remind myself why I'm doing this. So, but it doesn't also have to be legalistic. And I think that's where a lot of people get really weary of being like the natural, like health conscious world is like they feel overwhelmed and they feel like it's really legalistic and it can get that way. It really can. And we have to constantly check ourselves. So, um, yeah, so you are a holistic nutritionist and women's reproductive practitioner. Can you talk about, you know, did this happen after you totally overhauled things? Why did you want to get into that specific line of work? Um, and what is even, I guess, a holistic nutritionist versus just like a nutritionist? Yeah. Um, so for me, it was immediately after my first was born, actually, like I am still in the birth tub and I'm looking at my midwife. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the most amazing experience. 
I, and I had a doula at my first birth who was just wonderful. And I was like, I want to be a doula. Like, (laughs) so I, after she was born and I got a little settled as a new mom, I started taking doula classes and, um, started learning how to do that. But I kind of got to a point where I was like, but to do this, I have to be on call 24 seven, I would have to find drop in childcare. And it, it wasn't, it didn't feel aligned. And I, I knew I wanted to work with women, like, through pregnancy, birth, postpartum, their like, journey into motherhood is how I <laughs> tend to put it. Um, and so I actually, I started taking lactation classes and I was like, well, that like, I'm still working with mothers, like, and I breastfed my first until she was three and my second, uh, she weaned right before our third was born. And so like I breastfeeding had been going really well for me when my youngest was little. And I was like, this, this feels right. Let's, I'm going to do this. And it just, it still, it wasn't a hundred percent. I never felt all in. And then after we overhauled our lives and I had such a beautiful experience with my third, like I, I really saw how much of a difference it made to just eat better and live better. And when I really saw how much of a difference it made um, on my third pregnancy, I like, I was like this, this is what I need to be doing. And it felt hundred percent aligned. It felt like I just, everything in me told me that this is what I needed to be doing was helping other women see that it's possible that it's possible to have like the pregnancy, a pregnancy that you love, that you're not feeling miserable and terrible. And, um, and yeah, that just, it, it felt great for me. So I actually started my classes while I was still pregnant with my third, um, and finished right before he was born and then decided that I would wait until I felt kind of settled into life with three, which I'm being honest, I still don't feel a hundred percent settled into life with three. Um, but I, it's, it has just felt so good to, be doing something where I can help people. I can help women who are struggling, who want to have another baby, but don't want to feel the way that they felt with their first pregnancy, or maybe they're getting into their first pregnancy and they know somebody who had a hard experience or they've just heard horror stories. And I just, or even they just want to set their baby up for (laughs) themselves and their baby up for a great experience. And that has just, been that's been my drive is just knowing how great it was for me and your other question holistic yeah so uh holistic nutritionist the difference being like when you're is a nutritionist leans more towards like this is your nutrition plan like I'm going to give you a meal plan I'm going to give you foods to eat that you should eat Um, whereas what I do as a holistic nutritionist is I am, I can run functional labs, which are great. Like 
And I can, I'm going to look at you, your whole person. Um, and I'm there for physical needs and emotional needs, which is also a big thing. Um, a big shift is being on the holistic side. It's a whole person experience. It's not just here are your physical needs. Let me write you a nutrition plan for your physical needs, but also like taking into account your history, your family, your heritage, your, your emotions, what feels okay to you. Um, not just throwing you in the deep end and like, here you go. Here's your plan. You better stick to it. Um, it's a big, and it's, I find like nutritionists and dietitians that have gone to like mainstream school and are often still using the standard American diet. Whereas what I teach is ways to shift to like real whole foods in season foods, um, things that you can do yourself and to just <laughs> essentially just make your whole body align. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. I love that. Did your nutrition, like changing all of that, did that affect your birth experience at all with your third, do you think? Um, so I had actually really great births yeah. with all three of my kids. They were all very long. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I've talked to you about that, but yeah, my first labor was 38 hours. My second was 56 and my third was 80, was it 83? So yeah. uh, I had, and, and you just labors. hear the collective gasp, like, yeah. oh, can you, we can't labor 83 hours. We'll definitely yes. talk about that. <laughs> so, um, but I found with my first two, I actually, my midwife broke my water both times because I was depleted. I could not handle anymore. I wasn't sleeping in that time. I was just, I was so depleted. I couldn't take it. And it was better for her to break my water manually and get labor going and me be able to handle it than for me to just continue until my body did itself. Whereas with my third, I was nourished. I was well nourished. I was my midwife. I, I, it was a mental game for sure. And I was in contact with my midwife and she was like, just rest, rest, let your body rest. And I was able to do that. Um, because I, my body had what it needed. I knew that like, when I started feeling depleted, I could just like have a protein snack and bone broth was big for me. Like in that time, um, that just would give my body the nutrients that it needed without feeling heavy and overpowering where I was just like, Oh man, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that does make a huge difference. Like long labors, most of the time transfers happen because of maternal exhaustion. And so being well-nourished during your pregnancy can really impact even the transfer likelihood. So I mean, being able to labor for 83 hours and not transfer for maternal exhaustion says a lot about your nutrition status. 
Um, so that's a, a big deal. Did your third birth happen at the birth center again, or was that a home birth? Uh, he was at home. I, so yeah, I had my first two in Washington. Um, my second, I would have my second, I considered having at home, but I just, I had my midwife that I had with my first that I just loved so much that for me, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it to switch that up. Um, I just, but then when we moved to Virginia, I obviously didn't have that midwife anymore. And so I was like, all right, now's the time I'm having a home birth. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And you were prepared. I mean, you were again, nourished during that, which is huge, but I think the question that we're all asking right now, after you said you had an 83 hour labor is how in the world did you manage? Like even mentally, you know, I think one of people's biggest fears is contractions, let alone contractions for 83 hours. So what was it that kept you going and how did you overcome any fears around that? Yeah, uh, it was hard. Um, I, especially with my first two, having my water broken and part of me was just like, (laughs) I just let her do it. Just let her break my water so I can move on. But, um, my, I had already had the conversation with my midwife that I didn't want to do that, that I wanted to let my body do what I knew it could do. And, so it was, it was a lot of back and forth with her. I messaged with her and I was like, I'm feeling exhausted. I just need some encouragement. And, and she gave me that. She told me to rest. She reminded me that like my body was doing what it needed to do. She reminded me that like God was here and he was pushing my body to do what it needed to do. He wouldn't give me the birth that I couldn't handle. And it was, it was so good. It was my aunt, um, was also she was like every like couple hours she's like I'm praying I'm praying (laughs) he's gonna come I promise he's gonna come and I so I actually labored over a weekend um I went into labor on Friday and then um Eli was born Tuesday morning at like 5 15 a.m um so I actually I had called my chiropractor first thing Monday morning. And I was like, I need an appointment. I have been in labor for so long. Um, I went into my chiropractor and he adjusted me and it was like within a couple hours, I felt a big shift. So that helped too. like throughout the weekend. I was, I knew that that was coming. I was like, it's Monday morning. I can get into the chiropractor and I know that that will make a difference. It was it's definitely a mental, just reminding myself that your body is made to do this. Your body will do this. Your baby knows what he's doing. Let him do it. And he actually was born with a nuchal hand. Um, so which anyone doesn't know his, his hand was up on his face when he was born. So uh, my midwife after he was born was like, I think that's a big part of why your labor was so long was he couldn't like he wouldn't move his hand. (laughs) Which it's funny, because four months later, he still always has that same hand on his face. Like, it's nursing him is still a struggle, because (laughs) he just shoves his hand in the way all the time. 
but yeah, he, she was like, he was moving into position. He was doing what he needed to do to get there. Yeah. There's something to be said about patience. It's really amazing how our bodies know when something needs more time. And it's really, really important to listen and to lean into that and trust the process and trust that the Lord's design is good. Baby knows what he's doing. Like all of those things we need to be intentionally like thinking about during pregnancy. So when it gets to be day three of labor and you're like, what the heck is happening? You know, you can look back on this like these are the things that I believe. So that's really, really important. I'm curious, were you able to sleep at all during that time? Like, did you, were, was this like early labor contractions that just lasted forever until your chiropractor or what was, what was that like for you? So with all three of my kids, my labors don't, um, I don't have like, you know, the 15 minutes apart, 10 minutes apart, my contractions start five minutes apart. And they stay five minutes apart until that baby is born. They, I mean, they eventually get closer, but they never are longer than five minutes apart. Um, And so that's, yeah, from the very beginning, I basically, I have a very hard time sleeping through them, um, which is what ended up happening with my first two is I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. And so I, with my third, it, I found that just even just laying down with my eyes closed made a big difference. Um, I wasn't sleeping very much, but I was able to rest at least. Um, which I, yeah, I found that made a big difference. Whereas with my first two, I felt like I was tense. I wanted, I just wanted it to progress. I just needed something to happen. And with my third, I just reminded myself like, no, you just need to rest your body will do this, like just rest. And so I would just lay down with my eyes closed and whether I slept or not, it, it felt better. It felt like I could move on. And, um, I was able to get a little bit of sleep here and there, but overall, overall, I was pretty much awake through most of it. That's intense. I'm not sure how you could do that without total sleep deprivation so like how were you able to sleep after the baby was born or how was how was your postpartum after that yeah I was um basically within a couple hours of him being born I just like passed out him and I slept for quite a long time um my kids were actually my two girls were actually both in the room with us, they sleep in our room with us. So they were in the room through my entire labor and delivery. Um, my oldest slept through <laughs> all of it and woke up within like two minutes of him being born. And just like, I have a picture from my photographer of her just like bawling. She's just cuddled in with me, staring at her brother and he's just crying. And it was just like it, even when her sister came home, like after the birth center, I, the first picture of her meeting her sister, she's just crying and it's, uh, but so they, they ended up just going downstairs with dad. And my mom actually was flying in, uh, on the sixth, which ended up being the day he was born. So she flew in that afternoon and 
like played with the kids and (laughs) helped a lot and cooked and cleaned and (laughs) did all the things that I needed to be able to, I basically didn't leave the bed for like three days (laughs) because I just took that time for me that I needed, which with my first two, I found like, I was so proud of myself. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to be doing things. I'm going to, I'm going to heal so quickly. Um, and it actually made things worse um, in the long term. I felt great at the time, but like looking back now, I was not great. <laughs> um, I was undernourished. I had postpartum depression and anxiety with both of them. And it just, my my body never healed correctly. I had um, diastasis recti with both of them. And it just it made a huge difference to just lay in bed with my baby and just hold him and have skin to skin for like the first three days. I basically, they brought me my food. They brought me my drinks. They brought me like my cramp bark. (laughs) Everything I needed was brought to me in bed. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's honestly my favorite part of giving birth to a baby is like the first week of after having a baby my family does such an amazing job of taking care and that like I'm so passionate about that because I had severe postpartum depression with my first and you know like you I wanted to be like that superwoman who just like I literally just had major abdominal surgery but like who cares I'm going to target the next day like you know acting normal when that's just not normal like it shouldn't be um so yeah man I just see that is so important as really normalizing staying in bed and like resting and healing and did you realize that you had postpartum depression anxiety like before your third postpartum or was it like wow I feel so much better after this one I know I had PPD and anxiety with my last how did you figure that out um so for me I actually figured it out um when my second was like a year old and it was just I was looking back on that time and I was looking at like my life now and neither of my girls were ever great sleepers. Um, Like they were still waking up every couple hours until like my oldest didn't start sleeping through the night until she was three. Um, And before that she was waking up like every two hours, there was no like, Oh, you know, she broke it down, like slowly started sleeping through. It was like every two hours until she was three. (laughs) basically. And then one night she slept through and she basically just has slept through since. And now every now and then they'll wake up in the middle of the night and like climb into bed with us, but then they just go back to sleep. But the big, the biggest difference for me, um, was I was still exhausted. Um, and I, like, I could see that I, I was tired, but, and, and I was looking back at that time with when they were babies and, when I was like, Oh, I'm just tired. I'm just, I feel like this because I'm tired, but that it wasn't, that wasn't me tired because no, now I'm tired. That was different that I was in a fog. Like, I don't remember a lot of that time. Like, and the things I do remember are like 
me feeling anxious all the time, like constantly being on edge, like feeling like if I wasn't right there, something bad was going to happen to my baby. And, um, and like a lot of, at the time I just was like, this is just what being a mom feels like. Like, this is just, it's just my love for my baby that feels this way. And now like with my third, I'm like, no, that is so not the case. Like, because I feel just as much love for him, but I'm not afraid that he is going to die if I leave him with my husband for an hour. Like, it's, it's so different. Um, and with, and like, even with my second, I remember feeling angry at the sound of her cry. And that's not something that anybody ever talked about. They don't, they don't talk about like, feeling angry at the sound of your baby crying as a symptom of postpartum depression. Like it wasn't until like way later that I was like, no, I should not have been angry when she was crying. Like that shouldn't have induced an anger in me that it should make me want to go to her. But like, I just wanted her to stop crying. Yeah. That also like postpartum rage is a real thing. And like, that's, yeah. It can feel so scary. All of all of it is just not the way that it should be postpartum. And so if, you know, if you've experienced that in the past, like nutrition really can help. Like our bodies need to be fully nourished in order to work optimally. And working optimally does not include depression, anxiety, and rage. So yeah, that I mean it's it's a hard thing that a lot of people struggle through and it's been normalized and it's been um, medicalized and just patched up with medication and just passed off as like, oh, it'll pass, you know, and it's just, it shouldn't be that way. And having experienced it, having friends who's a, who have experienced it, it's just like, I'm super passionate about sharing the truth of this. So Thank you for sharing that and thank you for sharing the hope because I I hope people will hear this episode and be like, just start questioning things and maybe just even taking small bite sizes of change um, because they really do add up. And if you never start, no, nothing is ever going to be changed. So thank you so much. Would you like... Closing out this episode, what is one piece of advice that you would give women out there um, that you just think every woman should need to know this? What is your little little bit of wisdom there? Um, I think every woman should need know that you're you have a community, first of all. You have a community for a reason. Lean on them. And also get enough protein (laughs) Um, that I found was a huge difference in the postpartum depression and was like making sure I was getting enough protein and omega-3s have actually like there have been studies that link um, omega-3 deficiency to postpartum depression but it's not something that's talked about it's always just here here's a antidepressant which can a hundred percent be useful but are not always necessary. Yeah, and it's not getting down to the root of the issue. Like, if it's needed yeah. for a short amount of time, like, 
use it, you know, if you're having severe issues, but then like, don't forget that there's actually a root of what's going on. Um, Yes. I think if we use them correctly instead of, I mean, they're meant to be short-term. They're not meant to be long-term uses. So yeah, that's powerful. Thank you so much. Where can people find you, connect with you, work with you? Um, I am mostly on Instagram, uh, woman to woman. So it's, uh, W O M B A N. That sounds great. I will put all of your links that you sent me in the episode notes. So you can, you guys go connect with Taryn. She's wealth of information. Check her out on Instagram. All of that will be there, but thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time and coming on the show today. Yes, thank you so much. This is wonderful. I hope you loved today's episode and found it so helpful and encouraging. If you did, would you take 30 seconds to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or send this episode to a friend who has been praying for a peaceful home birth? Lastly, make sure you get my free download of my complete home birth essentials checklist. Make sure you have everything ready to go so you're able to feel at peace and confidence leading into your home birth. This printable checklist has all of the important but less glamorous or thought of items that I have found to be so incredibly helpful to have at a home birth after working with many clients in person. Now get it by clicking the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and peace be with you.